Joe Biden shows how much he loves this country on President's Day. Censorship is coming to a bookstore near you, and the royals in Malibu don't appreciate the attention they so desperately crave. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. I hope you had a phenomenal President's Day. Uh, I would have, but unfortunately, we're all working so, because Juneteenth is supposedly the official day that we're supposed to celebrate. So they've gotten completely rid of President's Day in California. I mean, it used to be Lincoln's birthday and Washington's birthday, which was great. Then Martin Luther King Day was there, so they decided to combine Lincoln's birthday and Washington's birthday into one. And now they've added June, and I have no problem with Martin Luther King's birthday. I really don't. But then add a third day. Add it. And then they decided to add Juneteenth, which isn't a holiday. I'm, I'm sorry, it's not a holiday. If you wanted to celebrate Juneteenth, you know what you do? You celebrate Lincoln's birthday because Lincoln was the one who signed the Emancipation Proclamation. So it's really just sad how we are destroying our country's history the way they are so anyway and, and you know martin luther king isn't gonna is, is gonna end up on the chopping block eventually martin luther king was a, a, a basically a avid uh abuser spousal abuser and he slept with hundreds of women i mean this was not a his personal life is really chaotic so I'm not exactly sure how long it's going to take before Martin Luther King is. That doesn't change what he did, just like it doesn't change what Washington did, even though he owned slaves. And Lincoln, I don't know what the hell Lincoln did. Lincoln didn't do anything as far as I'm concerned. I mean, he ended slavery. He was a, a very good friend to um, Douglas, uh, um, Frederick Douglass, who was the black man who was anti-slavery used to be an ex-slave, and then became a anti-slave uh, activist. Frederick Douglass loved the guy. But anyway, I'm going on a tangent, and I shouldn't because I've got a deep thought. There's some deep thoughts. i really going to have to, if I'm going to do this as a segment, I'm going to have to get some music. I just don't have any yet. So I was listening to a commercial on the radio yesterday. Um, and Starbucks tried to do some virtue signaling. Now, I hate Starbucks. The coffee is bad. It's extremely expensive. Their, their coffee is extremely expensive. And their employees, I got to tell you, the baristas are spoiled little prigs. They're a bunch of children who, you know, that was the company that came up with the barista term. We No, you're a coffee maker. I mean, I mean, just what it is. You're a server. That's all you are. The first time I saw a person wearing a badge with their pronouns on them uh, was a gal at Starbucks. And by the way, she had every pronoun except the right pronouns. She had they, them, him, her, him, his, or whatever, and didn't have the act her actual pronouns, which was kind of weird. So... But I digress. So Starbucks starts the commercial with a statement, this is a story about kindness. I was like, okay, story about kindness. I'm thinking 
you know, Starbucks donated food to a ho- to homeless puppies or something. And but again, that wasn't going to be a thing. Leftist companies. I, I should I should have been more long sighted. I should have seen more to it because the reality is leftist companies like Starbucks they're not very charitable. And this commercial kind of showed that. Apparently, there was a woman who dropped her kids off at the bus and had a lot of time on her hands, so she decided to go to Starbucks, and she got to Starbucks, and she forgot her wallet. And the woman behind her, another Starbucks customer, offered to pay for her coffee. So the broad then decided to go home and write an email to Starbucks saying how great Starbucks was because this gal happened to be at Starbucks. And Starbucks decided to make this commercial. That was the joy or kindness they're talking about. Okay, so right off the bat, I've got a few problems with this story. Um, First, this gal doesn't sound like she was going to work or anything. (coughs) She had time, and you can see I've still got my cold. It's not going away. I'm probably going to have to go see a doctor. She decided just to go to Starbucks. Um. The first thing is, if you forgot your wallet and you go to Starbucks, maybe if you got all that extra time on your hands, get your ass back in the car and and drive home and get your wallet. Okay. And the other problem I have with this is that this broad spent 37 minutes, will spend 37 minutes in line at Starbucks. Right? So she had a lot of time to actually go get her wallet and come back. Also, um, why didn't she just drop her kids off at school if she had that much time? Have you ever been to Starbucks? Their lines are insane. And and that's the whole thing with Starbucks. The lines are absolutely insane over there. So if she had that much time to go to Starbucks, maybe she should have just dropped her kids off at school. Let's face it. The school buses today, they're not electric yet, like Kamala Harris wants them. So they're not great modes of transportation. And if you're getting on a school bus, chances are the school is only a couple of miles from the house. Drop the kids off. Finally, and this is something that really gets me, Starbucks makes like an 800% profit every time they give a cup of coffee. So you pay $4 just for black coffee. Black coffee. You spend $4. Now... If you get an macchiato or whatever the hell it's called, you're make they're making sixteen, seventeen hundred thousand percent or something on that cup of coffee. Shouldn't the kindness have been from Starbucks? Maybe Starbucks should have taken the hit for the one cup of coffee and not their customers taking the hit. Because it was that customer that paid for her coffee. Not Starbucks. They didn't do any. They just, they didn't do anything. So what's the moral of this story? If you're going to claim virtue, make sure that you are the one that is virtuous or committing the virtuous act. Starbucks actually looked really bad in this commercial because they didn't do the act of kindness. Somebody in their store did the act of kindness. The store didn't do anything. But they decided to make a, they decided to make a, 
a commercial and virtue signal with it. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry. I really ranted on that, but it annoyed me. So let's get to our news. All right, here we go. You could imagine there's there's actually quite a bit of news since uh, we had a three-day weekend. So in some sad news, Jimmy Carter, the former president of the United States, the 39th president of the United States, has been put under hospice care at his home. <coughs> um, Carter turns 98 in October. Uh, I like Carter as a person. He's a key figure for Habitat for Humanity. And he actually was one of those guys that built the homes. He he would go and, he was a carpenter, he would go and help build the homes. And he did that after his presidency until just maybe three or four months ago when he started becoming ill. Um, he was an intellectual. He read every bill before signing it, which was one of the criticisms that people gave him, is that he was always constantly reading these bills and he didn't have time to actually work ahead. So he was very reactionary. And by the way, that was one of his problems is that he was extremely reactionary. He was not the, the kind of guy that was able to foretell the future. He wasn't strategic in any way, which is why his presidency really failed. And he's extremely religious. He's a, he's a, what was it? I can't remember what he is, but he's um, a Baptist, I believe it is. And very religious, went to church every Sunday. Um, the kicker is he could be a little anti-Semitic. He did in his, his waning years, in his last few years, he's been very critical of Israel, very critical of the Jews. Now, I'm not sure if that was because he actually believed that or he was just getting old and he said things. Don't forget, George H.W. Bush, the first Bush, he was slapping ass when he was in his in a wheelchair. So you do and say things that maybe you believe but you don't necessarily mean. So who knows? Um, of course, as a president, he was incompetent. He was just incompetent. He had no strategy. Everything he did, any type of tactics he used, for example, the during the Iran hostage crisis in 1978, he sent a helicopter to save the hostages. And of course, that ended up being a disaster, killing a bunch of soldiers. It wasn't good. So... He will be known as one of the worst presidents in American history, especially modern history. <coughs> I'm sure he is going to be very grateful that Joe Biden is president because Joe Biden is going to be the worst president in U.S. history. But for different reasons. Joe Biden is an arrogant ass and Jimmy Carter was just incompetent. Okay, Joe Biden, I'm sorry, Joe Biden's incompetent, but he's also an arrogant ass. In other news, Don Lemon may have seen his last days at CNN. Now, we talked about this last week where he went online and just went off on this sexist rant. And I told you, it was a sexist rant, but according to C to Google, he was kind of right. I mean, you shouldn't have said it, 
it's not what Google said was not correct, but it was a sexist rant. Um, but he got into trouble. So he said in his announcements, he didn't show up on, on the show yesterday, which he was supposed to. And they said, basically, he just had the day off. Well, in turn, he said that he's taking a sabbatical to clear his head, which basically means he got suspended. And today we're hearing that he actually has to go through diversity training, which, you know, Ben Shapiro said it best. The guy's 56 freaking years old. You're not changing him. So, you know, whatever. Um, he did apologize for, for what he said. He, but he apologized to all women. The only person he didn't apologize to was Nikki Haley, the one who he actually insulted. So, whatever. And none of that's going to matter. Joe Biden decided to make a surprise visit to Kiev in the Ukraine on President's Day, which, I'm sorry, that's exactly what you would expect this president to do. And one of the reasons he made this visit to Ukraine is because, and a bunch of people are pointing this out, Ukraine is the only success he's having. There is nothing in his presidency he's having success with. Because let's face it, other places he could have visited, he could have visited San Francisco to see the homeless crisis, the mental health crisis, the drug crisis. He could have gone to Chicago to see the crime crisis. He could have gone to Texas and Arizona to see the border crisis. Except surprise him so that the mayor, who's a lefty in, um, in El Paso, doesn't actually clean up the streets before he sees it. He could have gone to East Palestine, Ohio, to see the environmental crisis that his Sanford, that his transportation secretary, Pete Buttplug, doesn't want to deal with. By the way, Pete Buttplug is going to East Palestine, uh, Palestine, excuse me, finally. I mean, it's only been three weeks. <laughs> You'd think maybe he would have visited. He is the transportation secretary. And I hope he drinks a glass of that water, that tap water, not bottled water, tap water. So, of course, the president went there. And, of course, it was just a show. That's all it was. It was a show. Russia was informed an hour before he landed. Uh, he didn't land in Ukraine. He went to Poland and then took a train into Kiev. But he was, they were alerted an hour before he arrived to Kiev. So, Russia was not going to shoot any missiles. Because the last thing they wanted was to blow up the president of the United States. Um, he, he got there and sure enough, the air raid sirens went out, went off. It was all a show. So everyone is filming and the air raid sirens go off and he's walking out with Zelensky, Volodymyr Zelensky. And of course, nobody reacted to the air raid sirens. They were just show. It was all show. And of course the, uh, of course the media is sitting there and talking how brave, he, listen, he's not brave. Everybody and their mother has been to Ukraine. Everybody has been to Ukraine. Sean Penn went to Ukraine. Everybody's been to Ukraine. It is not brave to go to Ukraine. Matter of fact, you got to even wonder what kind of war it is that any, anybody and their, everybody and their mother seems to be walking in and out of, U, of Kiev. So, I don't know. 
but it's it's garbage. But the thing is, you know, you've got to wonder why he's there. <coughs> why isn't he dealing with things here in the United States? Well, it's just all a show. It's not. It's not going to work out. It's not going to work out. Uh, this is not going to make him look braver. This is not going to endear him and fans on a national holiday. This character goes to freaking Ukraine, goes to a foreign country. But I mean, this is this is what you can expect from a. This is what you can expect from a, a globalist president. He doesn't care about the United States. He cares about the rest of the world. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I went on a rant there. So David O'Connell, who was 69 years old, an auxiliary bishop for the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, was shot dead in his home uh, in Los Angeles <coughs> in Hacienda Heights. Um, the suspect was arrested. Apparently, the suspect did know him, and he knew they, they knew each other. There has yet to be a motive for it. Uh, this pope was pretty much a lefty. He's he was one of these guys that used. To, he's one of these guys who used to. He's a good man. I mean, I liked him, but he was one of these guys who actually approved of illegal immigration, and he worked with a uh, with a company that houses illegal immigrants and things like that. So he was a lefty. He wasn't. He wasn't right wing. Um, it appears that the shooting was probably a mental a mental health crisis uh that the, this guy was not a um this guy was not stable but again we don't really know so we'll find out it doesn't look like it was politically motivated or hate for the catholic church it appears to have nothing to do with that and finally actor and comedian richard belzar who is famous for playing detective john munch on law and order svu died early Sunday at his home in France. He was 78. Uh, the only reason I bring him up, because he is kind of an obscure character, ex obscure actor, is because I'm a huge Law & Order SVU fan. So when I heard he died, I, it was like, oh, that sucks. But that's our news. So let's get into some of our stories. This first story is really something. Now, I buy books. I buy lots of books. So many books, I have a feeling Josie will leave me if I don't stop buying books. I buy so many books. I have a bookcase, and I had to buy a second bookcase. The problem is, Josie has, for being pissed off at me for buying books, is I actually read the books. I always read the books. I have a little light so I can sit in bed. And read my books while she's sleeping. Because she goes to bed at... She's like an old lady. She goes to bed at something like 7 o'clock or some crap. I don't know how she does it. So I'll sit I'll sit up and instead of watching television and then getting myself all worked up with television, I'll read a book at night and it'll put me to sleep and then I'll go to sleep. So Josie... The other problem Josie has, not only that to be mad at me for liking books is she likes books. One of our nicest trips on the weekends is to Bar Barnes and Noble. Now we don't go all the time because we end up buying a lot of books. <coughs> she always buys herself a book. She'll never read it. 
and then she buys some crap for her grandkids. And I end up buying a bunch of books. It's actually cheaper for us not to go to Barnes & Noble. But I buy books for another reason. I buy them because they could be banned or edited one day. One huge example would be Mark Twain. Now, Mark Twain is was an abolitionist. And one of his books, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, is about a boy that takes a slave to the northern states via the Mississippi River so that he could be freed. So Mark Twain not only is a brilliant writer, brilliant orator, comes up with quotes all the time. Some of the most famous quotes in American history are by Mark Twain. But he was an abolitionist. He never owned slaves. He lived in the South. Well, what the problem is, a lot of people are upset with Mark Twain because he says the N-word like 12 times in Huckleberry Finn and maybe four or five times in The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. So I'm not exactly sure what the problem is because back then the N-word was, they also called them Negroes. They never called them blacks or African-Americans. That just didn't happen. But the fact of the matter is, this book is being banned because of the N-word being in the book. I even got into a fight with my brother-in-law because my brother-in-law, who's black, he said, well, you could read better books. And I asked him, well, what books, what writing is better than Mark Twain? Mark Twain's style is amazing. He, so, he, I mean, he, he speaks, whenever there's any dialogue in his books... He speaks in the vernacular of the South, but when you read his narration, it is all modern-day language. It is, is actually quite a quite funny style. It's very, it makes the books really enjoyable. And then, you know, I asked him, of course, the big question. The big question is, well, I mean, have you ever read Mark Twain? Oh, no, I haven't. Well, then how would you know? So anyway, well, this... The editing of stuff and the banning of books is happening now, as we'll see. According to Fox News, a publisher has altered the children's books by Roald Dahl, the author of several well-received children's books that were later made into hit movies, including Matilda, James and the Giant Peach, and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, to remove language now deemed offensive. Puffin, the publisher of Dahl's classic works, has hired sensitivity readers to make changes to certain portions of the author's books, uh, author's wording in the UK editions, as part of an effort to ensure the books, quote, can continue to be enjoyed by all today. The publisher rewrite, first reported by the Telegraph, altered numerous descriptions of certain characters' physical appearance removed references to some characters being fat, and changed some language to be gender neutral. So the good news is that this is only going to happen with the UK editions, which means I'm going to have some time to go buy the whole set for my grandkids, because you know it's only a matter of time before it ends up in the American editions. And I want my grandkids to actually be able to read these books, because Roe Dahl is a very good writer. I loved his books. I've read pretty much all of them. I've read James and the Giant Peach. I've read 
both of the Charlie and the Chocolate Factories. I because he wrote two. Um, I just love the books. So they're very dark. They're very dark. They're funny. They're very dark. But Rowan Dahl is an excellent writer. I mean, it's really made for um, teenagers more than anything. So anyway, let's get to it. What changes did they make? Well, the character Augustus Gloop in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is no longer called Fat. Instead, he's called Enormous, which last I checked is kind of the same thing, but they've decided to get rid of this stuff. The word ugly has been removed. Instead, people will be called beastly. Again, that kind of means the same thing. Uh, instead of being called small man, Oompa Loompas are now called small people, even though I don't recall there being a chick in the entire group, but whatever. In The Witches, <coughs> he writes that the witches are bald beneath their wigs. So they decided, the Telegraph said that the additions will add a little disclaimer. Quote, there are plenty of other reasons why women might wear wigs, and there is certainly nothing wrong with that. I mean, they're adding disclaimers to these books. In uh, the new edition of Witches, a supernatural female posing as an ordinary woman may be working as, quote, top scientist or running a business, end quote, instead of as a cashier in a supermarket. So the the character is a cashier in a supermarket, and now they're saying, well, she could be a businesswoman or a CEO of a company. You're like, what? The word black was removed from the description of the terrible tractors in The Fabulous Mr. Fox because black can't be associated with evil or bad. Um, the machines are now simply called the murderous, brutal-looking monsters. Wow. Um the centipede in in the James and the Giants Peach, there's a centipede that sings a song. The thing is, Ant Sponge was terrifically fat, and tremendously fab, flabby at that. Instead, they changed it. Ant Spiker was thin as a wire, and dry as a bone, only drier. Both those ver I'm sorry, both those verses were actually removed from the book. And they were replaced with this. Ant Sponge was a nasty old brute and deserved to be squashed by the fruit. And Ant Spiker was much the same and deserves half the blame. So basically, they're rewriting. Doll's been dead since 1990. They're basically rewriting Doll's book. This is these are not Doll's words. References to female characters have disappeared. So, Miss Trunchball, Trunchball in Matilda was once the most formidable female. Now she's the most formidable woman. So I'm not exactly sure because females are not necessarily women, right? A female can be a man. Of course, they can't, if you ask them, well, what's a woman? They couldn't answer you. They couldn't answer that either. Okay, so gender terms have been replaced. Again, small men, small people, things like... It's just... It, Road Dahl is turning in his grave right now. He's a children's writer. He has great 
He's a great children's writer. His books and movies have been enjoyed by kids for decades. And the question is going to be, okay, when are you going to change the movies? Because Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, starring Gene Wilder, was very politically incorrect. I also want to point out that literature is not meant to be politically correct. That's what makes great literature. Others are meant to pick a subject, create conflict, and this is typically not clean, diverse, or equitable. It's usually dirty, disturbing. That's what makes a book great. It's the shock value of the book. Conflict is supposed to suck. The more the conflict sucks, the more the people want to read the book. One guy the left wants to ban, without a doubt, is William Shakespeare. He, all his books are based on this. He, they want to get rid of William Shakespeare for two reasons, actually. The first is that he is a massive influence on Western civilization. He is a bedrock of Western civilization. They're trying to kill this these they're trying to kill him off like they're trying to kill Mozart off or Johann Sebastian Bach off. They're trying to destroy all of Western civilization. You, you and you hear it, dead white men. That's what they call them. Why is our society today doing nothing but paying attention to dead white men? <coughs> the second reason they want to kill off Shakespeare is that Shakespeare has a ton of relevancy even today. Now, what the left wants you to believe is that human beings are malleable. Well, here's a newsflash. Human beings are not malleable. Human beings are the same. They were the same in the time of the Bible. Genesis. I just re finished uh, the book the um, by Dennis Prager on Genesis, where he was talking about Genesis. People back... 4,000 years, 5,000 years ago, were the same as people are today. They're no different. This is the problem they have with Shakespeare. Shakespeare is basically showing human condition. That's what, his, that's what his tragedies are about. They show the human condition. Macbeth, King Lear. There is no difference between Macbeth, Lady Macbeth, King Lear, all of the characters in King Lear, then there are two people today. Heck, psychiatrists still to this day when they write books refer to Shakespeare because he had an understanding of the human condition that a lot of people today don't understand or are trying to figure out. I believe Shakespeare was even quoted by um, psychiatrists like uh, Jung. So it, these, this, he is really relevant, and they can't have that. The left cannot have that, and that's why they're trying to ban Shakespeare. Now, here's what sucks about the left: they say that the right is actually the one banning books. You know, they they talk about that the, with the "Don't Say Gay" bill in in uh, Florida, which isn't a, a "Don't Say Gay" bill. The reality of the matter is it's not the right that's banning books. We're banning 
books that don't belong in school libraries, like the gender book, or the book called Gender Queer, or My Anti-Racist Baby. That's crap our kids don't need to, to go over. Now, we're not saying don't own those books. I own them. I own every one of them. That's because I, I sit there, I read them, and I, I see what these kids are actually looking at. They just don't belong in school. You, If you're a parent and you want to buy your kid My Anti-Racist Baby or Genderqueer, go for it. It, it. You can get them on Amazon. We're not banning, we're not calling for a ban on the book altogether. We're just saying this doesn't belong in school. This is indoctrination tools. <coughs> These books have no business in schools. And by the way, it's not just those books. A Clockwork Orange, Less Than Zero, American Psycho. Those don't belong in schools either. I'm not calling for, those are great books, by the way. I'm not calling for them to be banned, but they definitely don't belong in a school library. You still can buy them on Amazon. If you want to give your kids these books, go for it. There it is. Buy it on Amazon, give it to the kid. Anyway, Dahl's been dead for a while now. You know, like I said, he's been dead 30 years. I, I just wish they'd just leave his books alone. And as far as I'm concerned, if they start changing his words, you've basically ruined the book. You've rewritten the book. There's no reason to, there's no reason to read them. So if you're a big Rowan Dahl, Rowan Dahl fan, my suggestion would be go on the internet, go to Amazon right now, buy the American, I'm going to do it, buy the American volumes and send it to, and, and keep it. I, I tell you, I have John Steinbeck's works. I have all of Shakespeare's works. I have all of Thomas Sowell's works. I have all of Mark Twain's works. I have them for a reason. Because one day they're not going to be there. And buying the digital copies, no. You buy the digital copy, they will change the digital copies. Okay, well, I had another story, but I'll have to wait till tomorrow because I'm, I've run out of time. I, I went off on the book thing. But, he, he, well, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. Let, let's, let's, do, let's do our sound bite of the day because I think this is kind of funny. Um, and here's a gal, of course, she's white, and she's talking to the women of the United States. And to be honest with you, she seems kind of stoned. So she decided, I guess, to get stoned or get drunk. She looks stoned. She doesn't look drunk. She looks stoned. And she decides to go off on white women about how they are all racist. Okay, and I'm not going to have time to play my racist song. I, I heard this and I was like, oh, no, I, I've, I've got to play this. So let's listen. Let's listen to this gal on TikTok. Hey, white ladies, denying racism in your own self is violence. You hurt the entire cause by denying that you ever, ever, ever had a racist thought. I don't think that way. I wasn't raised that way. That's not how I feel. I've said it before and I'll say it again. You don't have to wear a hood and you don't have to tote around a fucking Confederate flag to know that there is shit inside of your brain that you need to fix or else you're still just perpetuating the problems of society. I get called a white savior because I can admit the shit that I do. Meanwhile, there's women running around 
thinking that they've never, ever, ever done anything in their life that could possibly even teeter on the edge of racism. Good luck with that delusion. I'd, I hope someday you realize that that's not the case and you can put aside your white fragility and your angelic behavior and realize that you still have work to do and until the day you die, you're going to have work to do and unpacking your own bullshit, not just stitching other people, not just duetting with other creators and calling them out. It's, it's, it's in here too. It's in here too, girls. So put away your halo, start Start playing catch with your demons. It's the only way we're going to dispel them. Okay? This is typical Robin D'Angelo, Ibram X. Kendi, CRT crap. So she says, well, you, 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 do, do, you do do racist things. Well, the big question I have is, like, what? What, what determines you're a racist or not a racist? It, it, for her, it's only that you're white. And if you hear her voice and you see the video, go to dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. The video's there. You can actually see she's she's wasted. So she basically got wasted, got into an argument with somebody at a party, and now decided to do a TikTok video calling everybody racist. And by the way, she, she's pure white. She's whiter than I am. But this is the problem with these people. These people, you're a racist no matter what. Well, how about this? No, I disagree with you. If you, if you think I'm a racist, tell me what I've done that's racist. Don't sit there and just call me a racist because I'm white. I can't, I can't change the fact that I'm white. But this is the kind of people these are. And you, you've got to understand, this is why we can never get along with them. Because they keep telling us how bad we are. And it's just absolutely wrong. Okay. Visit my website at dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. You can see all the links. I've got a ton of them over there. Uh, I hope you guys have a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Love you all. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics.